Hello and welcome to From the Be All End, the Burnley podcast. Uh, I'm Andrew Grease, uh, a slightly depleted uh, podcast squad, the pod squad tonight. Uh, no Simon Evans, no Justin Connolly, but I'm delighted to say uh, alongside me, I've got Paul Woodhouse over in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, and a bit closer to home, Chris Borden down in Hatton. Um, gents, I know we don't like to talk about six-pointers, but it kind of feels a bit like a six-pointer, doesn't it? Tomorrow night, Chris, this is probably as six-pointer as it's come for a couple of years. Yeah, I absolutely hate the term. It's, it just... You know, you, you, you're you not relegated at this stage of the season, although it's, it's looking pretty bleak. But, uh, yeah, you just... Last thing they want to do, obviously, is, is lose the game, ideally, if they can claw back some of that uh, that deficit to Luton. It'd be a, a, a massive shot in the arm. And, uh, yeah, obviously, it would, it would uh, comprise doing the double over Luton, having won at Kenilworth Road, uh, first win of the season. It's... Uh, it's. I'm just looking back before you know. You're thinking at, uh, you know, you'd imagine going back through this year. Burnley have a decent record at uh, Turf Moor against Luton, and it's. I think Luton haven't lost in the last seven at Turf since uh, since David Pleat was in charge, March '95. Wow. wow. <laughs> John yeah. Mullin and Jerry Harrison. Which shows wow. you, yeah, shows you how long. Uh, with all due respect to those lads, how long ago it was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Woody, Chris mentioned the deficit, four points to, to Luton, another point then to uh, to Everton in 17th. We're still within touching distance, aren't we? As Chris says, we're not going to get relegated, but suddenly if that four-point gap becomes seven points to Luton, it gives them that shot in the arm, doesn't it? And that's the, that's the kind of psychological effect that we're going to try and, well, be wanting to avoid. Exactly. For them, they can get out of the bottom three and, and just leapfrog everything, can't they, if they win uh, tomorrow? Whereas even if we win, we're still adrift. Lose, and we, we kind of waving, we kind of, seminar, you know, we, we're kind of losing them a little bit, aren't we? And so mm. it's it's one of those that, whilst you can say that it's not an absolute must win, it's going to be one of those that if you wind up losing, that you can see a lot of... Uh, you can see a lot of shit hitting the fan over the weekend, you know, especially with losing at home. But as to Chris's point, you know, it's 95 since we beat them at home. They haven't, you know, we've, we've had a good string of results of late quite a while, but not at home against Luton, which probably means it'll wind up being some kind of snow draw of some, of some description, which um, probably wouldn't help anybody anyway, would it? So there we go. Definitely not, definitely not. Um, I didn't know about that record, but yeah, that's incredible. 95, 1995, last Luton, last time Luton lost at Turf Moor. But um, let's let's get, let's be positive. I mean, the, the Spurs game, which we, we chatted about after um, after we'd been beating 1-0 at Spurs in the Cup, again, signs of progress. There's a slight worry that Vincent Company is staying tight-lipped on some of the injuries. We know, um, obviously, uh, uh, Bear, Jordan Bear missed the Spurs trip. Um, Charlie Taylor withdrawn and Lyle Foster withdrawn. Now, company said I've been advised not to talk about injuries. I, I wonder, Chris, whether that's a little bit of you know mind games, perhaps ahead of this game. Perhaps you know Craig Bellamy or Mike Jackson's had a word in his ear and said, "Look, if you get asked about injuries, don't you know, don't give Rob Edwards and, and Luton anything to go on." But that would be a real blow if we were missing those three for for arguably the kind of most important home game that we've had so far. 
Oh, massively. massively. I found it. Yeah, I found it strange. I don't know whether he just uh, intentionally said that, Vincent. And then it, it, I've been advised not to say anything. It just seemed a, a strange uh, turn of phrase. We have absolutely no issue with managers sort of uh, playing mind games in terms of who's fit and who's not. But uh, you know, you certainly don't want to give your opponent any advantage whatsoever. But uh, I mean, Charlie Taylor. I mean, if he's been forced off with what looked like a shoulder problem. Last Friday night, he's not going to be fit, you know, barring some sort of, uh, you know, miracle yeah. Wayne Thomas type <laughs> recovery, you know. But, uh, you know, Bayer, again, you know, it doesn't sound good, does it? Just sort of uh, reading the vibes. And uh, and Foster obviously came off at half time at, at Tottenham. You know, we say you don't know what to read into that, but uh, it's. Uh, <sighs> If they, I mean, if they, they're all they'd be all three massive losses, but obviously, but uh, Taylor in particular, so obviously you probably end up, um, you know, playing a you playing a, a square peg in a round hole there, aren't you? Do you know, do you do you play Aldekiel there as he finished the game? Do you know, do you play Delquado when he's played so well at centre half at Spurs? Do you shift uh, Connor Roberts over to that side. He's not really uh, not really ideal, uh, you know, on the on the other on the other flank. So you know, by a you know, terrific player, you know you can all, you can compensate in that department. I yeah. think, so, but Taylor would be a huge loss. Yeah, like you said, shoulder injuries. It's a bit, you know, he, he fell on it slightly awkwardly, and then he, he kind of played on for a little bit, but then you know, forced to withdraw. You you don't suspect that that's one of those that will kind of come back round too quickly. Um. As Chris mentioned there, Bay you can kind of compensate for, can't you, Woody? Because, um, you know, we've got Dara, the Rock, O'Shea, Simon Evans, as Chris and him. <laughs> Chris put something mm. in the WhatsApp group. Um, best aerial dual win rates in the Premier League this season um, for 50 or more contested. Virgil van Dijk uh, as number one, 82% won. Max Kilman, 73.6%. Dara O'Shea, 73% of his aerial duels won. Now, if you think back to that kind of early games against the likes of Villa and City and where we're getting bombarded, that's impressive, isn't it, for a player who we've been critical of at the start of the season. Do you feel like he's becoming the kind of key cog in that back four now, especially perhaps against a team like Luton, who are going to be a bit more robust, a bit more, you know, direct, shall we say? Yeah, I think key cog's a bit of a stretch, but I think to that point about it being Luton and it being more aerial and more direct. And I think old Am the lead may have quite a role to play. And like we said, he's improved quite considerably over these past few weeks. And um, yeah, he's the guy who gets in the way. Um, whether that's going to be quite enough, I've absolutely no idea. But I mean, Delcroix and O'Shea, I wouldn't be too worried about those two after... Last Friday's performance, um, yet Taylor is a little bit more worrying. I think Foster's even more worrying still because we saw kind of against Tottenham how toothless we became in the second half when, you know, when he had to go off. So fingers crossed, he's not too bad or he can play some kind of part tomorrow. Yeah, you are really, aren't you, Chris, looking at, at kind of 
you know, we won minimum changes. We had, we were forced into a couple of changes at Tottenham due to injury. And um, I, I presume Berg was was suspended. I kind of got mixed messages around whether he was suspended or not. But I think I think the the um, the sending off counted, but five bookings wouldn't have counted. Very strange way of doing things. Um, but we we've got such a settled side, haven't we? Since Foster came back in, we've got some good performances. It's a bit of a nightmare for Vincent, isn't it? If he's he's starting to have to change, you know, he's left back for somebody who's not a left back. He's having to look for options up front. You know, it's clear that Jay Rodriguez is out the picture at the minute because he chose Brun Larson to to come on for for Foster. It's the impossible question because we try and guess it every week. If we were missing those three players, and you were in charge, Chris, we're going to give you the manager's job at Burnley. What would you be looking at from a, you know, especially from a striking point of view? Do you go, you know, old school approach with Jay? Do you look at, you know, one of these numbers and positions don't really mean anything, so we'll just stick four wingers up front? What What would your approach be? Well, I say, I mean, given that we don't really know. The status of Obafemi, is he injured again, or I don't know. See, one of those players who's sort of in the squad one week out the squad, you know, due to due to numbers sort of thing. Not really sure on his uh, his situation. Uh, I think he he would be a you know a decent uh, a decent replacement to this sort of game. You know, pace, power, can play with his back to goal, can you know can make uh, intelligent runs as well, but. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'm, I certainly have no qualms in playing uh, Jay Rodriguez if that's if if, if Foster isn't fit, and uh, uh, yeah, we we all know. I mean, he's, you know, his, his powers are on the wane, Jay. You know, that's, as as they probably should be. At uh, you know, as, as he uh, gets towards his mid thirties, he's not going to be the, the you know the player we we remember, but he's still got a part to play. You know, much like Ashley Barnes was written off time and time again. He's a quality, you know, quality operator, Jay Rodriguez. You know, people forget that he's still a good technician. He's as bright as a button, you know, in terms of his uh, his football nous and understanding, you know, and on experience, you know, vast experience on top of that. So, not not in this game where it's a very, you know, albeit, you know. You know, say Burnley, Burnley squad's much transformed. It's going to be a quite a quite a British game in in many respects, and uh, you know, it's, Jay would uh, Jay would fill the fill the uh, role quite nicely for me. Yeah, like you said, proven at this level as well. He has scored goals at this level, and um, you know, you kind of think that it 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 probably he would be the best fit. Um, Woody, in terms of that left back position, obviously, um. You know, any hopes of getting uh, Matson in look to disintegrate? I think he's either signed for or certainly out in in Germany, um, completing a move to Borussia Dortmund. Um, yeah, fair play. What a what a feather in the cap for Burnley that is in terms of being able to develop that player to that level. Um, but what would what would you be looking at from a left back point of view? Is it is it Roberts? Is it you know shifting Vitinho, who's played out there of course last season on occasions at left back and shifting Roberts back into right back? Is it Alderkeel? Is it Delcroix? And you're fitting somebody else into the centre? There's a mm-hmm. lot of different options for Vincent Company. But what would you be looking at there? Um, I think he I think he gave us a clue by bringing on the keel last week and I think that's might, might be what he's looking at 
Um, because like we know, there's no real ready-made replacements. And I'd be reluctant personally after you've had Delcroix and O'Shea perform as well as did kind of break that up and push Delcroix to full back. Um, maybe be tempted to throw Roberts there. Um, but I wouldn't like to play around, play around with it play around with it too much. I mean, Roberts might make a little bit more sense. Um, he can he can fill on because it's going to be a, a little bit more compact. It's going to be a little bit more uh, aerial, a little bit more uh, aggressive, isn't it? Um, but we'll see. We certainly will. We certainly will. Um, let's move on to a bit of um, a bit of other club news, if you will. There's um, some news come out this week about um, ALK, the owners of uh, a Burnley Football Club, of course, um, taking out some more whether that is additional or uh, kind of transferring um, some some kind of credit function, shall we say, whether that is a, a loan or a credit facility with a, a Luxembourg a company and, and basically mortgage, you know, the turf, the training ground, other club properties, et cetera, um, but not the Premier League money. Now, this is part, I guess, of the ongoing um, mystery around how ALK, Alan Pace and Co are, funding the you know have funded the buyouts of the club but are funding the continuing running of the club um the the kind of timing of those postings at a company's house perhaps seem to suggest that it's freeing up some cash for a, a january transfer splurge but but chris i mean there's so much mystery around everything that pace and alk do is there a is that you know does it become worrying that we keep changing credit facilities or you know, is it smart management because we're getting better deals and we're just refinancing these debts? I guess the, the biggest question is, is we don't know what the reason is for doing that, do we? No, exactly. I mean, someone I spoke to while I was uh, still still at the Burnley Express, uh, he sent me a message you know, basically saying that, you know, it's, it's, it's three times in three years that the club have moved a secured bank. And, you know, his, his suspicion was Macquarie was like an interim thing to relieve pressure from uh, from the Dell deal after relegation. But uh, he says it's you can't tell whether there's more liquidity arrived or whether it's a more competitive deal. But, uh, yeah, essentially, that's with, with, with all, uh, with all the, the sort of financial situations we've had under pace, it's just all about the you know the proof being in the pudding somewhere along the line, and uh, yeah, I say you'll you'll hear that thing said quite often, won't you? Said so I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not a money uh, money man. I'm not a money expert. We, we need to get uh, Kieran Maguire on, don't we, or uh, Martin Lewis or something. Like that. <laughs> Martin Lewis would be quite good, wouldn't it? I know Kieran <laughs> Maguire was asked, "Is it good, bad, or neither?" And Kieran Maguire said, "Neither." So I think it's it, it looks like one of these, but uh, everything's so shrouded in mystery. Now, Woody, last week, Simon Evans urged us to uh, think like supporters and not accountants. And annoyingly this week, I don't know if he had kind of prior knowledge of this going <laughs> out, but um, we're kind of being not asked to think like accountants, but we, you know, the amateur accountancy sleuths amongst the message boards are trying to kind of make head and hair through this. Um, are, are you worried as a fan that, you know, there is this kind of, I don't know if it's financial uncertainty, but there's this chopping and changing when it comes to, to financing and banking. And of course, the accounts were late last time. You know, is there a is there a trend here, do you think? Or is it just, you know, the the way the Americans do business? They keep moving their money about. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I will, I will say that I'm, I don't believe that I'm particularly qualified for this conversation, but it's it, in this present climate, it can make quite a lot of sense to shift that money around every particular year, you know, in order to get slightly better rates. So it might just be a simple case of that kind of level of management, but it probably would be worth getting uh, somebody on the pod at some point to discuss this in, in more in more detail and at greater length, because it is it is one of those things that's slightly worrying that is not always uh, transparent to fans. We don't know necessarily what would happen, the level of investment, etc. And it hasn't been necessarily laid out. It's more hearsay on certain forum posts, etc. Some people know a lot better than others as to what goes on. But I think generally, as a as a group of fans. I don't think we're as well informed as we should be on stuff like this. Yeah, and Chris, I mean, I guess the when Alan Pace came in and there was question marks from from you know the local press about the the nature of the buyout and some of the national press were were kind of suggesting that um, Burnley fans needed to be worried and and that hasn't come to fruition, of course, but. Um, Alan Pace, and I always go back to this, Alan Pace said he'd be able to look Burnley fans in the eye and say, you'll be proud of the way the club has done these things, has done what it has done, uh, by which he meant, you know, the financing of the club, et cetera, et cetera. Now, we know there has been some investment. We don't know to what level, but there's there's talk of, you know, numerous investors investing, you know, not inconsiderable amounts of um, uh, of money in terms of the, um, you know, not huge in that sense. But it, it, it would be good for Alan Pace to perhaps come out and, and explain these decisions a bit, wouldn't it? He's, he's kind of there or thereabouts when there's something to celebrate, but very quiet when it comes to the business side of of, uh, of the management of the football club. Yeah, you'd, you'd lack an element of transparency. And obviously they can't, so, you know, we've, we've never had... You know, I, I can remember sort of, uh, you know, Barry Kilby and, uh, you know, that in, in that era, sort of, uh, you know, the, the the goal to buy back Gawthorpe and Turf Moor, et cetera, and sort of stating that this is an aim and we're going to do this to do that and blah, 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 and putting people in the picture to that uh, extent. But obviously, we don't want an old chapter and verse. It's, you know... It's you know it's the club's finances and they'll deal with it uh, as they deem appropriate. But uh, it's yeah, it would be like you know like Malcolm Jenkins arrives in a big hurrah, and then well, we haven't seen him in two two and a half years. But is he still involved? Is he you know? There seems to be a lot of people who've sort of floated in and sort of floated out. And JJ Watt can't make it any more plain that he's here for the long haul, and you know. Everywhere he goes, he's got his Burnley cap on, and you know people people knock him or question him, and he's you know no, no, I'm, you know not just because it's because it's tricky at the moment. So I'm you know I'm, he's he's firmly a, a Burnley fan. He's really admirable, and he quite clearly won a lot of hearts and minds in that respect. And uh, and every credit to him. So uh, yeah, we just it'd be nice to have some semblance of explanation, really, for the layman. Yeah, you know, there are people who who understand the finances and this, that, and the other. But uh, yeah, just to sort of, why is it so clever what they've done? You know, what, still like you know, sort of three years down the line or so, and we don't really we don't really understand it anymore, do we? 
No, and that's the thing, isn't it? I think, you know, just when you were talking earlier about, uh, you know, Vincent Company giving very little away in, in terms of injuries, what what kind of, uh, what we won't give to go back to the days of Stan and Barry, where you'd get exactly all the injury news off, off Stan and you'd get all the financial insight from Barry. But um, just picking up on that kind of JJ Watt, um, you know, the, the JJ Watt kind of, um, you know, fandom, if you will, coming in. I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, we were a little bit sceptical, shall we say, at the start of, uh, of 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 his involvement because it kind of coincided with his running away with the championship. But, you know, he keeps banging that drum and I know the, the next kind of whatever it is, whichever TV channel it is, the big fan fest is in Nashville. I'm sure he'll be a massive part of that. But would he, just the kind of finals on the financials, um, it's clear that Vincent Company again, he talks about, you know, it's pretty certain we're going to do something in the transfer window. Um, as fans, we do want to keep seeing investment, don't we? I mean, we've we've questioned the the, the summer transfer window on a couple of occasions, and we're going to move on mm-hmm. to, to the transfer window in a second. But, you know, if, if it is a case of the club shifting its borrowing to somewhere with better rates and that frees up more money without putting any extra burden on on the kind of repayments of that, um, we'd be quite happy as fans, wouldn't we, to see constant investment, having had a few years where we we didn't invest yeah. in the playing side. Exactly. Long gone are the days of like waving buckets around and kitties for, for, Ash, for Ashley Hoskins. And it's that level of transparency. Tra- you know, at least trust us as fans to take on board what it is that you're trying to do and, and what it is that you're trying to say and buy into that project. Because there's this massive gap, isn't there? This massive black hole about, well, who, you know, what are our finances like and how that impacts our dealings within the transfer market? What are our goals? What are our strategies, et cetera? And it would be nice to hear that from the top to get buying across the board because there's nothing quite like uncertainty to drive certain negative impressions as to what's going on isn't that and if, if you know if they can just show that level of uh, transparency and trust the fans to a greater or less degree then um, there might be a slightly better relationship all told between the fans and the board um and i can't really see uh anything other than a, a net positive out of better communication. Yeah, definitely. Well, we will extend the invite as we have done since we start this podcast for Mr. Pace or somebody from the ALK or Burnley board to, to come on. I think what we're going to do is we're going to, we are going to write to him at Burnley football club at uh, Harry Potts way and invite him on to kind of speak. He made a big thing when uh, me and Chris were both saw him down at uh, Burnley College that he'd much rather speak directly to the fans and speak to the local press um, as the biggest Burnley podcast. Uh, again, in the top 100 of the UK soccer charts this week. Thank you very many. Um, you know, we are we are that voice. So do come on and talk to us. You'll get a fair ride. You can guarantee that. Um, everybody who's, who's been on so far has. Um, but yeah, we will extend that invite to Mr. Pace again and see if we can get him on to, you know, talk through what he can do. And we realise he can't talk about every single, you know, detail, you know, nitty gritty detail of the finances, but give us some reassurances. Um Moving on to the transfer uh, window, we, we kind of got slightly blindsided with the, you know, supposed departure of um, Manuel Benson um, around kind of New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. I think that came out. I can't remember now. It's been a, all a bit of a blur. Um, 
it's kind of gone quiet on a number of fronts, but there is one or two things come out this week. Uh, Darko Cherlinov apparently on his way back to Schalke, um, the the forgotten man of uh, of last summer's transfer window, um, not this summer, just gone. Um, you know the two thousand and. 2022 transfer window. Um, the North Macedonian winger had his problems this summer in, in hospital for a, a number of weeks with, with some kind of sepsis or blood poisoning, we believe. Um, Chris, he, he's one of those that, I don't know, he, he feels like the one that kind of got away if he does leave, doesn't he? Because he came in and he, he showed flashes in the very, very kind of odd appearances he was given to suggest there's a definite player there helped Schalke, I think it was, to promotion the season before joining us. Um, what do you make of the Darko Cherlinov um, kind of stint, if you will? I don't even know if we could call it a stint. I don't know if he's made enough appearances <laughs> to call it a stint, really. I think Bezart Berisha had more of an impact. <laughs> well, yeah, quite, yeah, quite possible. God, God bless Bez. <laughs> but, uh, he, no, see, he, he looked... You know, he played at Shrewsbury in the League Cup, and he obviously uh, came on against West Brom with this. You know, with Burnley one 0 up, and should have clinched the three points there before the uh, they conceded in injury time. It, it sort of looked, it looked like an Eagles type to me. He tried to make things happen, yeah. you know, just didn't anywhere anywhere near like have a run of appearances, whether that be from the bench or starts for anyone to form much of an opinion of him. He's obviously, you know, you've, you've decent pedigree. If you're at Schalke, albeit in, uh, you know, the second division in, in 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 Germany, as they are, you know, as they were at the at, uh, at the time he, uh, he he left. But uh, would anyone bat an eyelid? I don't think so. No, it's, it is a strange one, isn't it? In terms of you know, lost in the in amongst all the other wingers we bought uh, this this summer. Nothing much else on the outgoings. We have, um, we recall Michael Mellon and, and Ben Ward have come back. So a couple of our kind of academy lads have come back, but we have been linked with a couple of players, and and they are they do seem to be in positions where um, we've been crying out for um, for for reinforcement. So Strasbourg centre back Gazino Nyamsi, I think I pronounced that right. Um, Surely that's Jerzino, isn't it? Just a different spelling to the you know the famous Brazilian. It probably is actually, yeah, yeah. To be fair, it probably is, yeah. Uh, that came through Mike McGrath, who tends to be pretty much on the money when it's very, comes very reliable, him. Mike. Very reliable, Mike. Yeah. So, Apparently, there's uh, interest from Andelect uh, for for that particular player. A couple of links to Danny Ings. I'm not quite sure where that came from. They they kind of seem to be kind of you know tier three, tier four type sources. Um, and then also looking at uh, at the lad whose name escapes me momentarily at Marseille, um, who's a defensive midfielder. So it does Woody look at least like Vincent is starting to realise where the gaps were from last summer, doesn't it? Um, yes. Whether they come in uh, an improvement is another thing entirely. Whether they whether they come in as squad backup. Or uh, they'll be staking a place straight away. We don't know, do we? But um, they do look to be in at least positions that we've identified previously as needing strengthening. So fingers crossed there. Yeah. And Chris, I mean, we kind of, 
it is a bit silly season, isn't it? We keep getting linked with, you know, perhaps not as much this this January as we have in the past, but we are still only kind of 11 days in. You kind of expect that we're, we're going to see more and more kind of frantic links in the next couple of weeks, don't you? I mean, you, you've gone through God knows how many of these transfer windows. I, I guess you're... Are, are you kind of quite relieved that we're not look, going to be looking to you on the last day of the transfer window for... The, the nod to say you've been told to step down. <laughs> uh, so you can always tell whether something's got a bit of, uh, you know, a bit of legs. But uh, I'm just reading about Jerzino uh, Niamzi, 26 year old centre half, who he's been linked with Burnley and Sheffield and Anderlecht. And, uh, you know, latest reports are the keep saying that Locomotive Moscow have submitted a 6 million euro offer. So whether that one, uh, you know, is dead in the water, maybe Burnley were looking at a loan rather than paying uh, paying money for him. Ingsy, just again, it just seems like people putting two and two together and coming back with five. His wages yeah. would be prohibitive mm. unless he's prepared to take a, you know, whacking great, uh, great dip in those. I, I've got to be honest. I, I'm a bit. I, I am a romantic, but you know, I'm also quite, you know. It, It'd be it'd be one of those to you know if you could bring him back for six months or something like that. I I think he's still got something to give at this level, Ingsy. He's not had uh, much of a look in at West Ham. It's uh, again, I don't you know I've not followed him closely enough to suggest any sort of knowledge on his his injury situation. Is he fully up to speed? Is he ready to go, etc. But anyone can remember the sort of, you know whenever he played for Southampton against us, he gave you kittens. You know, he he's still got that you know that 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 burst of pace. You know, again, like Jay, very technical, you know, gifted player. You know, very uh, very clever footballer, and I certainly won't look a gift horse in the mouth if he was available. And you know, again, the romantic in him wanted to come back, but it's it 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 is nearly nine years since he left after all, and it's uh, yeah, it doesn't seem that long ago. But uh, yeah, you, they always say never go back, don't they? But <laughs> yeah, you do wonder, Woody, whether that's the kind of spark we might be needing. You know, it, it's all well and good, you know, bringing in players from abroad who are untested, and you know, we have had a bit of success with that. I'm not, I'm not knocking that as a as a kind of transfer or scouting policy. But as Chris said, nine years, he's 31 now. You know, not had much of a, you know, I think it's two goals in in. A, Round about thirty games for for West Ham wasn't great against us. Lacked a bit of service, but w- would you also you know do you also look through claret tinted spectacles and long for the return of Danny Ings? I mean, I'd long for the return of Danny Ings with his legs still partially intact. And a few years ago, you know, current Danny Ings, like you just said, at our place, he was more than anonymous. You know, he, he wasn't anywhere near pace the game. And it obviously does not fit in the current model of player. You know, there's no way we are going to be signing some, you know, borderline washed-up Premier League player past the age of 30. And when Vinny's been explicit in terms of saying, this is the type of player that we're getting, we're going for young lads with resale value, and we aren't going to be signing any so-called um, Premier League players. 
that are relatively established. And you could argue that Danny Ings is an established Premier League player. So I, I, doubt, I very much doubt we'd be looking at him. I think it's more one of those kind of fan uh, fan signings as much as anything else. Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll keep an eye on the uh, the transfer window um, as we always do, and any uh, any any kind of links that we see as uh, as being potentially uh, on the cards and, and from good sources, we'll share on our socials. Don't forget, you can follow us on social media at Bo Podcast on Twitter, Stroke X, and on Facebook. Um, and don't forget, you can like, rate, share, subscribe, do everything you can to help promote us. Um, and get us into as many ears of Burnley fans as we can. Uh, we'll leave it there for uh, for now, chaps. Thank you very much for your uh, your thoughts tonight. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the Burnley game. Uh, Burnley versus Luton Town uh, tonight, live on TNT Sport, I believe. Um, Six-pointer or not, I'm sure it's going to be another cracking night under the lights at Turf Moor. Uh, and until next time, uh, enjoy your weekend and up the Clarets. Go! Oh.